Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires first of all good haircut oh thank you and you have a nice little um rugged uh post-quarantine beard it's definitely feeling a little the revenant or jeremiah johnson (laughs) yeah yeah you got that going on Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. Uh, Today is a treat. I love when I get to riff with funny, hilarious, smart people. And Patton Oswalt fits the bill. Um, I'm just a a fan. He's a a magnificent actor. We're going to talk a little bit about my favorite uh, performance of his. Um, He's he's just one of the guys. He's just one of the, he's he's on my list of of funny people. And um, also, by the way, somebody that I would love to be seated next to at a dinner party. That's a small list, but he would be on that. Get ready for a um, rambling, but very funny and uh, interesting conversation with Patton Oswalt. I love sometimes about doing this podcast is I have people I know and love on it, but then they give me the briefing document and I'm always like, wait a minute, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And the first didn't know that is just the little factoid that you were named after General George S. Patton. General George S. Patton. My dad was a Marine, 20-year Marine, and he didn't want me to have like some forgettable name. And I think when she and when he and my mom were going through the baby book in the late 60s, he picked the one first name that wasn't in there, uh, which was the last name, Patton. So that's the one I got. You've seen the movie, I'm sure. Well, my God, yes. I mean, it's amazing. Still amazing to this day. Psychotic and amazing. Written by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, I'm, I am well aware. He won the Oscar for it. Yeah. A lot of people forget that Coppola 
before all the Godfathers, he was a writer and wrote Patton. And I think he wrote, I mean, that, I mean, that, and you know, it's really interesting, deep dive here, is he rips himself off. I don't know if you ever noticed this in Apocalypse Now. What? So yet there's that great moment where there's bombs exploding everywhere and he's surveying the carnage and he goes, God help me. I do love it. So, yeah. Right. And in Apocalypse Now, he has Duval surveying the carnage and he says, someday this war is going to end. Yeah. And it's the same moment. It's exactly the same moment. You're right. And, it's, and it also has that thing where when he's talking about the smell of the napalm and he's like, he does that little like head shake, like he's like he's just sniffed a great wine. Like, yes. it smells like victory. Like it's that same. Yeah. It's that same psychosis where he maybe maybe Coppola related to that of being drawn into something that, you know, is maybe destroying you a little bit because he let his films destroy him in a way. Oh, he listen on on Outsiders. You never knew. You never knew what Francis you were going to get on any given day because there was really? one day where he wanted to fire Tom Cruise and me and Matt Dillon and everybody be, because um, in the Screen Actors Guild contract we have to have a place to change our clothes, right? And he didn't want to pay for the trailers anymore, and they weren't like fancy movie star trailers; they were little tiny hovels because none of us were movie stars yet. And Francis didn't like paying for it for the budget. And he was like, fire. I'll never forget hearing him screaming and yelling and saying, fire all these fucking actors. And I'll make the movie with University of Tulsa Film School students. And I remember Cruz and I looked at each other like, oop, that's not good. He was an interesting dude. Um, okay, so you are, are married to one of my favorite people. Oh, yes. The lovely and amazing Meredith Salinger. I was a huge Adventures of Natty Gan guy. Oh. I'm just, I'm just going to lay it out there. Yeah, that I mean, that was her first movie. She was 14 years old and she is suddenly riding the rails with a wolf um, and uh, for real running uh, after trains. I think there's a scene where one of the trains almost tipped over while she was riding on it and just like thrown into the deep end of acting in a, a Disney film that by today's standards is pretty dark and pretty rough, you know? Oh, it, well, it's like an independent film. Compared to what Disney would do. Yeah, oh, that's a good way to think of it. It was all on location, all authentic and just kind of gritty. And, and yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it was. It was, yeah, she, she was so good in it, so great. And I and you guys might be the cutest couple. I'm Tell me about your podcast. I'm obsessed that you guys, because I thought I was the only person that texted my wife yeah. more than I talked to her. <laughs> But apparently that's the sort of predicate of, of what you guys are doing on, on the pod, right? Yeah, and you're not the first person that's told us that. We we thought it would come off as kind of weird. And then people, have, the feedback has been, oh, my God, I'm also, you know, like 20 feet away from my wife in the house. And we will text to each other. It's, it, it's Here's how bad it got. One night we're in bed. It's the end of the day. And we were talking to each other. And then we said, okay, good night. And. And we, she rolled over the other way and she found this really comfortable position. And then I was looking at something online and I found this amazing picture I wanted to show her. I was like, sweetie, oh my God. And she went, I have just found the perfect position. I don't want to roll back over. Just text it to me. And I will, she, I texted her something. I was two inches from her, but she goes, I don't want to lose. I just found the perfect position. Just text it to me. And I wonder how many couples have done that at night when they're in bed. I was trying to think of what it is about. Texting versus actually talking that is so 
compelling sometimes. And I'm reminded of when I was young, when we were young in our age before any of this. Yep. Do you remember going to like being in seventh grade and you would like write someone a note? Yep. And it was such, it was like, like the girl that you kind of liked and you'd, you'd sit in history yeah. and you'd like write them a note and you'd <laughs> fold it up in all these weird ways. And then you'd slip them to them like it was a bindle of Coke in the hallway. <laughs> and... And it was all very, very cloak and dagger, and you didn't know what they were getting. It was all very exciting. I think that's kind of what it is. Yeah, and, and it's weird. There's these weird parallels where there were certain notes you would write where maybe you were giving up a little too much of your feelings. So there was always that, don't show this to anyone or throw this away when you're done with it. And then it gets shown to someone. <laughs> and there are certain texts that, you know, people have, friendships have ended because two people have been texting and then someone else like, I'm not sure what this guy texted about you. And then that gets all blown up. And, you know, that's a big problem for teenagers. Their, their texts get sent around the school. And it, 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 again, it's, it's new technology, but the same old tensions and, and weirdnesses, you know? I feel bad for, for kids, though. It's like pen to paper. Yeah. I'll tell you the other thing is I think it, it, what, what is the technical term for when you're looking at a text and you see the dots pulsating? Yeah, what is that term? And that's a very real, uh, that's a real emotional thing that everyone remembers is, oh, I'm waiting for the, waiting for the response, waiting for the response. How weird is it when you see those three pulsing dots and you're still writing and then you, so you're like, oh, they're already responding and then they never respond. So it's like, were they writing something and then did they, did they delete it or what happened? Yes, what is that? I really do want to know. Maybe somebody out there works at a tech company can call in on the on the lowdown line and tell me what those are. Because I, I have two thoughts. One is that I want to know, did they write something and then delete it? Yeah. Was it a, is it a bug in the system? And then the other thing is, is why does it release endorphins? Like seeing those pulsating things, oh. for sure it's, it releases an endorphin in you. And that's why we're so addicted to yes. it. Yes. And also the- It's Pavlovian. It is it is absolutely Pavlovian, uh, just like when you send a message and that little check mark shows up that says it's been read or it's been seen. So then even if the dots don't show up, you still have that, well, they saw it. Are they thinking about, you know, how, how many times have you embarrassed yourself by you'll send a text and the little check mark comes up like seen and then nothing happens for 10 minutes. And then you do the tender like, um, I guess you're still thinking about your response or like, like you, you, you never seem more needier. Then when you're you're following yes. up on the, are you going to say something? I thought that you read it. Oh God, I just feel so terrible. What do you go it. with? I go with um, I I go with usually a question mark. Oh yeah, I will either. Here's what I'll do. I'll, if I, if I'm really needy, I will go with a question mark. I'll even put a question mark on my last text, like huh, like I'm emphasizing that text. Yes. Or I'll do that BS thing. I'm sure you've done this too, where you're going, hey. I'm really busy too. You you know, text me back whenever I got <laughs> like you got to pretend like I got to hop off this call or whatever. But you're just sitting. They know you're just sitting there, and you got to pretend like I'm running into a meeting. So just I'll read your response later. Don't don't you you want to retain your dignity? But go don't be don't be offended if I don't respond to your response quickly. Like, oh God, I know. And some people have the and I and I have very poor emoji game. Oh, me My too. emoji game is really poor. Oof. My, my my three go-tos are the, the thumbs up, the heart, or the laughing really big face with the tears. Like just because I just want to please people and go, yes, or I love hearing that, or oh my God, you just cracked me up. But also, 
Isn't it unspoken that we, if you send an emoji, it means the conversation's over? Ooh. But like, I'm emojiing you, and I'm about to bail out now. Like, now we're, now the typing is done. Here's your, here's your thumbs up. I got to go. Oh, well, well, I'll tell you, the one that really makes me feel that way is when they hit you with a thumb bump, like a, a fist bump. Right. But it's, it's on the actual text. It's not even a response. Oh, yes, exactly. When they just, they... It's like they footnote the response itself. That is also a very much like, we're done now. I got to go. There's no other way to look at it. It's, we're done now. Yeah. <laughs> we got to, I got to run. <laughs> I got to, which is more, here's, when somebody says, yeah, I got to run, that, that phrase, here's, here's what I hate. I got to scoot. Got to scoot. I got to run. Uh-huh. It just makes me feel small yeah. when people hit me with that. Well, because you are instantly put in a pecking order and you're not at the top of it. <laughs> That's what happens. Or as, as, as the great comedian Fred Stoller says, when you're on the phone with someone, you converse for a while and then the other person goes, anyway, like that's their way of, okay, and now they're bailing. <laughs> We're done. We're all done. They're, they're about to leave you. Oh, God. Pat, listen, I got to scoot. Um <laughs> Do you have little text threads with like three or four friends that you check it? Like, it's almost like your own private Twitter where it's just you and a handful of your friends. Like I have one with my comedian friends, like five of us, and we just rip on stuff. And it's like our own, uh, you know, and, and sometimes we'll text something and someone will go, oh, you should tweet that. And, and other times we'll text something and someone goes, do not put that out publicly. That's, that's just for us. Like, you know. Oh, I, I have a game I play with my, because my youngest son is a writer and- oh is um, super worried that I'm going to blow myself up one day because I'm <laughs> I'm a middle-aged white guy who doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So he's like super, super, he feels like I walk around with a, the nuclear football every day of my life and that I just have no idea what it actually is. That's like who my son, John Owen, thinks I am. And maybe I am. But so he will often, he and I have a gag of like things that you could tweet like, what's the fewest amount of letters you could tweet to end your career? Yeah. It, it literally makes my heart pound. Oh, yeah. I, I did a hashtag years ago called career-ending Twitter typos. And it's what is the one, you know, like, if you just, just a typo that then everyone screenshots it and sends it around. You're like, oh, my God. One of mine was, um, what, what mine, this again, this, this is career-ending Twitter typo, okay? Um, my, my dong is super friendly and loves being petted by children. That was one of my career ending. You just like, Oh, I hit the wrong letter. I'm done. It's just, but uh, hang on. How old is your son? Is he like in his thirties or this is my youngest. He, the youngest is 25. So would you say, but he works as a writer. Is he, but he's clearly, cause he just grew up with this stuff. Whereas for us, it was a new thing and a novelty. He's just very, very savvy about that. It's not like a weird. Well, not only that, they they type in a they type so. F I sound so old right now. This is awful. <laughs> I, this is a horrible interview. I sound. They type so <laughs> fast. Kids these kids. Fine. I don't know what's happening in the rock and roll and the hula hoop. I think the older generation is way more addicted to and drawn into the internet and the and the distraction of the internet than the younger generation because they're so much more used to it. As a writer, I bet he doesn't go down the YouTube, the Wikipedia um, rabbit holes that I do while I'm writing. I'll be writing something, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll be oh what what was that? And then I'll then then an hour's gone because I've gone and looked at videos and 
stuff like that. I, I bet he can control himself a lot better than I can. Here's the other thing. So I started on, I started on TikTok. Oh, wow. I never got on TikTok. You have a TikTok account? Well, here's why. So I was, I was with a bunch of wildly successful, brainy people. And, but they were like, they were saying, look, TikTok in, in China, where it's from, is a t- totally different experience. Everybody's on it. Everybody gets all their news from it. It's everything. And that its algorithm for knowing you and what you like is by far the most sophisticated algorithm out there. And it is shocking. Like you spend a week just scrolling TikTok and they will pull up stuff for you that you you go, how did they? How did they know that I want to hear Walter Becker and Donald Fagan <laughs> isolate tracks on Asia? How did how did TikTok know that? Wow. Well, we've all I'm sure you've experienced the you go out shopping with your phones in your pocket and then you come home and the stores that you visited are suddenly on your Facebook feed and suddenly being suggested on your uh, Instagram feed. With, yes. I mean, we've all experienced that now. But that the TikTok algorithm, that's something different going on. I don't know what that is. They're either tuned into, they're listening to what you're doing in your house or what, I, that's weird. That is very weird. That's a different step right there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's something you should, I mean, because then you can really go down some rabbit holes because it yeah. starts pulling up the stuff that even you don't know that you like. Yep. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment? There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. Look, I love California. Um, And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. 
Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. I remember, this is going to sound really strange. This is years ago. I remember seeing um, John Tesh on po- oh. Politically Incorrect. They were doing a panel and he was, they're talking about malls. And, and John Tesh said one of the most insidious things about how malls work. And this is before the internet. This is like in the mid 90s. He said, here's how malls work. You're walking through a shopping mall. And at a distance, you see a store that says just magnets. And you're la- like, all they sell is magnets. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Then you get closer to it and you're like, oh, that looks like a, that one looks like a little scoop with jelly beans in it. That's kind of cool. Like the way they did that. And he goes, the next thing you realize is you're in line with four magnets in your hand going, what, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> like, and that in a way, he was describing how the internet works. But just how it was, it was almost like that was a rough draft of how it, how they pull you in. But I love it. I mean, look, you're, you're, you're a master of it. You're one of the first people I ever followed on, on Twitter. Oh my and God. Do you, how much time do you spend doing it? Cause you're, everything you write is so fucking funny and just well thought out. I, I do. And I, I'm trying to, to stop this, but when I wake up in the morning, I open Twitter. And, and I'll, I'll admit to that. And there's days when I haven't, where I, there's days when I consciously go, okay, don't wake up and immediately open Twitter. But most days I do, because it's almost like when you open it up and you see what's trending, it's like you're given this weird abstract haiku of what's going on in the world and the news. And you have to like, it's that addiction, like, oh, I got to put this together like a puzzle. Why is this person trending? Why is this thing trending? Why is like, what's going on? And then you you reverse engineer why all these things are trending and it's like you put together the world in your mind. So it's very, very addictive. And then I'll check it during the day, man. And, and so that's what I have as a comedian because it's, you're, you're right. It's the Pavlovian. It's the, it's the uh, endorphin. I, if I think of a really funny joke, I want to tweet it and then I'll sit there and look at the responses and just wait. <laughs> have you ever uh, tweeted a joke and then put it in the act? like tested it out that way? No, there's a way. I mean, it, that's that's interesting. There's certain comedians that can actually, like someone like Anthony Jeselnik, whose who's, who's jokes are so perfectly crafted and stand alone. I think he has to actually struggle with Twitter because he's like, do I tweet this out or, is, or do I put this in my act? But my act is so much more conversational that the tweet format, those are jokes that wouldn't have worked in my act anyways. But people like, Right, Anthony Jeselnik, and especially Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips is one of the funniest tweeters out there. But I bet there's m- days when he has to go, do I tweet this or do I put this in my act? Because his jokes are so 
right there. You know, it was just like, so that, yeah, that, that's always been strange. Yeah. There's a tweet of yours that I always quote that I was like, what, did, did he struggle with tweeting that or going, this could be a thing I could maybe write or so you wrote this really interesting tweet. It was, it was funny, but it was also like, Oh yeah. Where you said, look, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but, uh, the the song American Pie was never that much of a mystery to me. Like everyone is always like, "What does American Pie mean?" You're like, "Okay, that's Dylan, that's Janis Joplin, that's the Burt. How? Why is this? It's not that hard to decipher the song. I'm not. The song's so great, but you're like, why did this get this? That was such a great um, tweet. I just I remember reading that, going, "Yes, why is it such a mystery?" Uh, you know what? Thank, I I may put that in in my my one man show because that is a it makes me laugh to this day. It's like, yeah, Don McLean explains American <laughs> Pie. I mean, you can listen to it and do. Oh well, that's Buddy Holly. Yeah, that's the Beatles, the Sergeant. I. I know what this is. That's Altamont. Guys, it's not that I always think about like things that make, I mean, I guess that's the difference in a professional comedian and, and a, a dilettante, <laughs> me being the dilettante, is the, um, is like things that make me laugh that I'm truly obsessed with. Yeah. And then putting it out there, like I'm obsessed with restaurants that call themselves factories. <laughs> like, why would anyone want to eat in a factory? Right. You're right. And, there, and there's a bunch that do Everything that. about it is bad. Yeah. It, it, it says we make a lot of it. Mm-hmm. None of it's special. It's loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I like when I go to like, one of like the, the ye old spaghetti factory, I'm like, hey, sit, sit me next to the conveyor belt. Yeah, exactly. Could I get a room away from the machine? It's like, why would anybody want to do that? And also... The, it, the the whole if you go even deeper it means it the, this food you're right it's not special it's also made joylessly by people that don't want to be there um that and we don't like if someone like if someone gets injured on the pasta assembly line we just kind of toss them immediately like you should every factory restaurant you go to like cheesecake factory like who's the shop steward here i want to see how strong your union is like just, <laughs> Yeah, listen, I'm I'm representing OSHA today. <laughs> Come in with a hard hat and a lab coat. I need to check your facility out. Uh, you're right. Factories in a lot of restaurants. And you're right. It's the most unappetizing word. It is, and, and clearly somebody's like, I know. <laughs> Cheesecake factory. Yeah. And this would be, and they'll get the irony of this would be, because obviously it's fun. It's not a factory. Even the, the word factory, it's an ugly word. Hard F's, hard C's, hard T's. It's the whole thing. And it, it shows up way too much. Then add the archaic spelling of oh. ye old spaghetti factory. <laughs> when I was a kid, my first job was working at KTLA really? on Sunset Boulevard. Oh. It was a series called A New Kind of Family. And we would, we would go to lunch at the ye old, cheese, uh, ye old spaghetti right, factory. Right there on Sunset. Right there on Sunset Boulevard. Yep. What, what, what do you gain by making it an old factory? <laughs> Like when you come in, there should be like pigeons nesting up in the rafters and (laughs) a guy guy that clearly went insane years ago that lives in the duct in the walls and just wanders around. Also, spaghetti really reached its peak during medieval times. That's the best spaghetti during uh, the Black Plague. That was the best pasta. Ye old. That's when people were eating. (laughs) Ye old. And the old E. Yeah, they added the E at the end of the word old. 
I, re- I remember that place. I went to lunch there once. I was working at Sunset Gower, one of my first jobs I wrote on Mad TV. And we would yeah. go either go to lunch at Yield Spaghetti Factory or Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And after a few weeks, mm. the, the producers, and not in a mean way, but they had a point. They were like, if you go to lunch, could you try to avoid going to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles? Because whenever you guys come back, you nap for four hours and we actually need you to because Roscoe's is one of those places that as you start to eat, you just, the food is so ridiculously good that you gain this oh. momentum and then you just want to lie down for like five hours when you're done. Okay, let me ask you, because I am also obsessed with Roscoe's chicken and waffles. This is why you and I are separated at birth. Oh. First of all, um, do do you have the waffle first or the chicken first? You have the chicken first, but when they bring it out, you make sure that the, the, no, no, you pour the syrup on the waffle, you let it collide with the chicken, and then you pick the chicken up, so you're eating that really tangy chicken with the, but with a little bit of the syrup, and then that is your lead into the waffle, but you don't eat the waffle first. I agree with you not eating the waffle first, but I do not want my syrup touching the chicken. Oh. Oh, basically, I want to have two meals. Oh, okay. I want to have, basically what it is, I want to have I want to have lunch, and then I want to have breakfast <laughs> in that order. Like, yeah. when I go. And then I want to lie down for five hours. The table should fold out into cot at Roscoe's. You can just lie down when you're done, because my God. I've often thought about, could you open a restaurant <laughs> like that, that serves those kind of meals where literally it's like in a rec- you're in a recliner. Oh, basically. yeah. And oh. then you eat the food, and then you hit a button, and it becomes a bed. And, and you just get... You you know you're just going to get an hour of in, insane sleep in like a sensory deprivation tank type of situation. <laughs> you would have to be willing to pay an extra fee for that hour because they won't be able to turn that table over. So you have to pay for that's right. the table that doesn't come in. But I, again, I bet there's people that are like, I'll totally, I'll pay for an hour and nap and after I eat, you can. I would pay for it. And then particularly if they had like the kind of people who would then come and like slowly massage you to consciousness. <laughs> And then and then ply you with um, an espresso, Listen. and off you go. Think about what that would be. My version of a spa. Yeah, that that is like that is getting into deranged Roman emperor territory there. But that's fantastic. How is that not available in Vegas? Get get people so food drunk and happy, and you massage them back, and then they and then you push them back out onto the gaming floor in this happy endorphin days, and they it, and they spend even more money. Because you're in such a good mood. But the fact that no one's thought of that. They, look, you can go to a mall and get an IV. Yeah. Literally, a mall, a mall, yes. a strip mall, and get an IV to put fluids in I you know. from getting all fucked up at night. But no, but no one's thought of this? I don't get it. Yeah. Actually, you can do that with that weird fluid thing to avoid hangovers. Uh, yeah, that that's that's very sketchy. An IV drip in a mall. Yeah, that's where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Could I be near a sunglass kiosk? When we do this medical procedure on me. <laughs> Is there still a Suncoast video company open that I can do my episiotomy near? <laughs> so good. Um, I know what I want to talk to you about. I want to um, laud you, sir, for your performance in Young Adult. For those of you oh, man. who never saw Young Adult, um, I, I you are so f- spectacular in that movie i love that movie so much did you love it i you know that was one of those scripts that i was sent 
I actually, you know, I, I become friends with Jason Reitman. We met at a dog park. We both owned French Bulldogs. So we met at a Frenchie meetup and started, you know, nerding out about films because he's a big film nerd. He's like, he's like Quentin or Edgar, all those guys. And directors that also, when they're not directing movies, they watch 19 movies a day. So we, um, he was doing a table read for this script that Diablo had written. And we did a couple, I, I, he didn't have that part cast. So I came in just to read, to fill that part at the time. And Charlize and I got along so well. And our chemistry was just great. She has a great sense of humor. And he just said, well, how about you just play this role? Obviously, I was thrilled because the script was so good, but it was very intimidating. The thing that ended up intimidating me way more was what a genuinely brilliant actor she is. And not in yes. that yes. method sense. She's on that higher level where she can drop into that character and be Mavis and be this real, I mean, just a really repellent character. And she never, you know, Shirley's loved Mavis, but never tried to win the audience over to make her cute or sweet, committed to how horrible yep. she was. And she could be that in the scene and then pop right out of it and just be Shirley's and be fun and happy and cool. And then action and then boom, drop back into it. That was, she wasn't one of those, I'm in character, don't, don't address me as Shirley's. I'm, you know, she was on that Jedi level of being, and that was there. So, you know, I worked for a long time with an acting coach, really got the part down. I did not want to show up not ready. You're great in it. It's a great movie. She's great in it because she's so unlike. Oh, my God. I mean, never, ever gives the audience. And, and not only is she unlikable, the scene, someone pointed this out to me. Um, in the nighttime scenes, when she's had a couple and she's dressed up, She's comfy and fast-witted and great. But in the daylight scenes, it's like her power's been drained out of her. And when you watch her, like, walk, there's a scene of her walking along the road, and she looks, it almost looks like it's a different actress. That is how completely mm -hmm. she personifies how damaged this person is during the daylight hours. And it's, it's, an it's just incredible to watch it. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen Young Adult, what, it came out, what, 2011? 2011, yeah. That's when that came out. Um, let's talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000 for a minute. Oh, um, yeah. Because, <laughs> oh, oh, perfect example. Guess what TikTok brings up for me? Mystery Science Theater clips. Yeah. Like how it knows that I love Mystery Science Theater, I have no idea. No idea. But it reminds me of how absolutely genius that franchise was. Did you love being a part of the new iteration? Oh my God! That show in the early '90s, when it back when it was on um, the Ha Ha Channel, it wasn't even Comedy Central yet. It was the Ha Ha Channel, and it, that was a that was a local access show out of Minneapolis. And I'd never seen a show so perfectly captured what it's like to hang out with comedians and have us riffing, and also the, how the best comedy a lot of times comes out of well, this is a boring situation. How do we make it fun? Yes. Um, and that that's kind of the, the, the ongoing thing about you can make it, it was weird how it became very relevant during the quarantine and during the shutdown. OK, we got to make our own fun here because we're stuck. Um, and then also just for a big a, a big movie buff like me to see movies uh, where, um, you, you know, future stars or, or or not even like the in my mind, a movie is this big deal and, it, and it's an achievement and it comes out and well it's going to be but then you realize 90 percent of movies get made and then are just in they're just gone they're like who made this 
why was this made? It's just out there in the ether, and people work just as hard on the like people work just as hard on a forgotten film as they do on something like Citizen Kane or Chinatown. Like people still showed up and they they were trying to make it good. So there's this. I have a a real affection for that. Of wow, they really did do this for the love of it. They really showed up and tried to make this movie. Um, even something like Manos, the Hands of Fate, which that you, the, the Mystery Science Theater episode, there, there shouldn't even be a, uh, there shouldn't be a version of Manos without them commenting on it because otherwise it's unwatchable. It's 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 like an assault on the senses. Yes. But the guy that made it made it with passion and love and wanted to try to make something beautiful. <laughs> it's like, oh my it's, God. Do you find your my wife my wife and I can't watch anything together. Because I am, I can't help if it's if it's not really good, and I mean really mm-hmm. good. If it's either if it's not really good, I'm the, one of the I'm like the the robot. I'm there talking yeah. smack, and it's the most fun thing in the world to oh, watch. Yeah, I mean it, it also shows it's you you know you're in a good relationship where you guys can watch something together that isn't good that doesn't work, and you can still have fun. Like if you watch something great, oh my god, we're both enjoying this wonderful film. You watch something horrible and you start to comment and try to make it, especially, um, you know, Meredith um, has, has done and I have done our share of bad films and bad TV shows. And we so we have so much when we're ribbing it, we are we come from such a, uh, a, a, a place of sympathy and we're still rooting for these people in this horrible situation, you know, looking yes. at this stuff. So. That you know, it's, there's that extra element to it. I mean, Meredith has been in a couple movies that she thinks would be great on MST3K. I'm sure we've all made movies that you're like the MST3K. I definitely have. <laughs> I could run all over this. I would love to do my least favorite movies of my own canon on that. It would be maybe that's a new version we should pitch to Netflix. You and I do that, <laughs> or they do an episode of MST3K where the mad have captured you and sent you up to the satellite because they're like, we want to see if we can actually break the actors themselves. It's one thing to break Jonah, but if we could actually break these Hollywood actors and get them to do our bidding and let's show them their worst work and see if they'll snap. But you end up having a, a blast making fun of it. And they're like, no! I'm in. So are you on the road now with the tour? Yeah, uh, right now I just started touring, um, just back on the road, uh, you know, doing uh, theaters and, and and for the most part, the everyone's following some pretty draconian um, COVID protocols because during the shutdown, a lot of these places almost closed. And I'm sure you've experienced this too with with, with movies and TV. I've done I've I'm, I've done a film. I've done a bunch of TV. They almost all shut down. So they're like, we're not playing around with people going. I don't know if I have my questions. Right. Well, then don't work here. Like it just. Get the shot. Show us your card. Take your COVID test. So you know, th- th- I actually feel pretty pretty secure. So that's good. But yeah, I w- I'm in New York right now. I'm I'm doing this little black box theater off of Connecticut Avenue. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, yeah, I'm doing the Kennedy Center. I sold out the first show, so they added a second one. So that come feels on, really good. Yeah. Oh, what a thrill! Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, I think you need to record it because, you know, live from the Kennedy Center is kind of, you can't buy, I mean, you can't top that, really. Well, this is my warm-up tour for the Netflix special that I'll do next year, and maybe I'll film it at the Kennedy Center. That actually might be really good. Live from the Kennedy Center, me doing jokes. Make sure they take you into the presidential box. Um, 
it's it's pretty special. We we're able to shoot uh, a West Wing episode. Oh, that's in, right. In the box, it's pretty cool. Where uh, Bartlett uh, faces down with um, James Brolin, and and they have that little thing about crime. Boy, I don't know. Boy, uh, how great is that, boy? Oh, you just James. I just love that he just leans into how hateful that character is, and but makes him so charming. Like, oh, that's why he's almost going to be the president because he's so charming right now. Yeah, we were. I, I think we were the only people ever allowed to film in the presidential box. It was pretty cool. It's also the one where I, it's the one where I give siege. Um, I give uh, um, Leo McGarry's daughter the speech about space and why we explore, why why, why oh. humans are engineered to explore. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast, my dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin, and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free, clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, 
give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. Do you have a pretentious vocal warm-up? Because if you don't, I think you need to have one. I can give you mine. I mean, but I think you really need to have one. It's weird. I don't have a vocal warm-up, but some of my comedian friends who are, who are older are, are saying, uh, meet, get together with a voice coach and just get a basic vocal warm-up, because as you get older, you're going to need one, and it will actually help you to sustain if you want to keep doing this. So apparently, do you have a vocal warm-up? I, do, I actually do. and, and Really? Um, and I've never had, knock on wood, an issue with, I, I did like, I, I did like 160 performances of uh, A Few Good Men with Sorkin. He and I did, went to the West End in London after West Wing. And I really? never had a vocal. I, and that's, that's a, Kathy's a talking. Yeah. And I never had an issue, but I always had a vocal warm up. Took it really seriously. It's not a big deal, but I did every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been told that you gotta, you gotta start looking at that. So, cause I want to keep doing um, stand up and, and, and the, the, acting roles I, I get tend to be very, very chatty. You know, I don't play a lot of, I don't play a lot of a uh, dark silent thugs. Brooding. I play a lot of, yeah, I play a lot of fast talking weasels trying to not get killed. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm the guy, I'm the, I'm the guy in the 1940s crime movie in the steam bath going, Johnny, I didn't say nothing. You know, I never bang like that kind of thing. Oh, you would be so good in that. Oh. That that's, that's a good period for you. Have you ever done a period piece like that? No, and I would, I mean, I did a, a kind of a version of it on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They go back in time and they meet, I play a character on S.H.I.E.L.D. and they meet one of my ancestors back in the 30s, a guy running a speakeasy. And I kind of <laughs> look like John Polito. And I got this kind of a bit of an accent. I'm just like, you know, but um, no, I would love to do something completely set in a specific, especially the 40s, 40s or 50s and just how, you know, messed up that world was. And how fascinating it is. You could use all those like handles on the dialogue that they had then that they don't anymore. Like using the word see all the time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he's going to walk out around five o'clock. See, or, or the great lead up to the, ah, that ain't the, yeah, yeah. Mother eats jelly beans. Like that kind of, there's always those weird noises they'll do before they, they, they land the line. I love it. I love that stuff. Love it. Okay. Before we go, I got to ask, cause you're a huge, like pop, pop culture movie. Get, get, oh, it sounds really banal, but but and I would never ask anyone other than this you because I value your opinion so much. Top three movies of all time are what I'm watching right now. Oh, well, well, first of all, first of all, I like the right now thing. I love that notion because <laughs> that means it's subject to change, which I think is freeing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm going to name my top five movies of all time based on how many times I've watched them, um, for me, it would be uh, Repo Man. Murder on the Orient Express, the 1974 one. Oh, um, uh, Kurosawa's Ikiru, which I know that sounds pretentious, but that's an amazing, a genuinely amazing film. Um, and then probably Goodfellas. I mean, Goodfellas is just a perfect film. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. First of all, this is the best, this is the best <laughs> day of Emilio Estevez's life. 
that you <laughs> that you put Repo Man above Kurosawa. It's so good and Goodfellas. Oh. It's Repo Man was for me again. You're asking about personal films that that represents such a personal time in my life when. It's the mid eighties. I'm living in the suburbs of Northern Virginia. We got, we got everything late. So punk passed us by in the seventies. I discovered punk when I saw the movie repo man, which I rented from Errol's video. It was not available in the theaters, not where I live and could not believe this soundtrack. Couldn't believe that the idea, cause I just started getting jobs. I just it was my, the beginning of my employment and jobs to me seemed like they were so crappy. And, that movie made it seem like it was fun to have a crappy job and maybe you'll encounter aliens and save the world. Um, and the yes. dialogue was, yes. I'd never seen, I'd never seen a comedy where everyone in the movie is playing it a thousand percent deadly serious. No one's trying to be funny and get a joke. They're right. all like completely, no, there's nothing funny, which made it 10 times funnier. And yep. the scenes of Emilio and, and Harry Dean Stanton driving around and just talking are some of the best and they're scripted. I don't think any of it is um, improvised, but it feels improvised because Emilio's character is giving Harry nothing. I don't know. Fine. Oh, whatever. Like, he's just this angry child. And then Harry's just yelling at him. That, that just so reminded me of my relationship with my parents and my teachers. And I'd never seen it nailed that way on film. The great Alex Cox directed. Uh, I remember going to visit Emilio on the set of Repo Man. You did? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I that was uh, I rem- that was a very it is a very cool un- uh, underutilized movie. But I agree with you by the way on Goodfellas. It's my favorite movie of all time. Goodfellas is it. There's nothing close. It's it. No. I, it's all. I could watch it every single day. Every single day I could watch it. And there's something new that you see in the background, like he, the way he directs. Everyone is everything is there for a reason. Even stuff that seems like it's throwaway, it's just perfect. I can't get enough of that film. Here's my nerded out deep dive thing on Goodfellas. So I have so many, fa- I, I have so many favorite scenes. It's hard to pick. Oh God. But th- the scene where he, uh, Henry drives her back to her parents' house and he gets over and violently beats the shit out of, right? Oh. Into the scene. The tree is in bloom. <laughs> okay. Right. And, Early, way earlier or later in the movie, I forget which one it is, they have another entrance and the same tree is in bloom and you go, oh, they shot those scenes on the exact same day. All right, I have to and they're totally again. different. And they're at totally different times in the time frame because Goodfellas takes place over like 20 years or whatever it is. Wow. So yeah, check that shit out. Oh my God. Well, you know, I, the, the scene that everyone quotes obviously is the, you know, why am I funny scene with, with Joe Pesci, yes. which is a great scene. But if you watch it again, listen to all the other actors in the scene. They're all, because apparently that scene wasn't scripted. It, Joe Pesci told Scorsese the story of a guy, of a monster that did that to him. And he went, go do that to Ray Liotta in the scene. So none of the other actors know what's about to happen. And if you watch them, they're all responding. Like at one point he goes, he's a big boy, Anthony. He knows what he said. I mean, you can hear the guy mutter like, "All right, yeah, you're right, you're right." Like they're all trying to, even though they they're not the focus of the scene, they're adding to the tension by trying to calm Tommy down. Because that was like that was like Scorsese's almost stock company, basically of, of those great yes. character actors, and they're all 
they're adding, I mean, the, the scenes between Pesci and Leota, but all those other actors are adding all this other tension to the scene. And it's amazing that he caught all these little, these little performances. I mean, that, that's just what an amazing director he is. My, my favorite, by the way, I saw, I saw a director's cut of that movie. Wait, where? What? I was in Europe and I ran into Erwin Winkler in the lobby of the of the hotel I was staying in. I knew Erwin. Yeah. I didn't have anything to do. I said, What are you doing? Are you gonna it was we were in Paris. Are you can go shopping. He goes, I'm going to see a rough cut of Marty's new movie. You wanna come? And we and I went to a little tiny screening room in Paris. I didn't know what I was seeing. Never heard of it. And I watched um it was it was what it was, I think it was the final cut. It had it was uh, not mixed. You know, no, no effects, and it blew my absolute mind. Was it in the order that it's in the film, where it t- it starts kind of in the present day, then goes back? Nothing, nothing different. Nothing different. It was literally Layla was in it. All of it. Wow. It was. It was. It was. It was Goodfellow, but it was not timed. It was clearly probably his final cut with none of the bells and whistles on it. Remember, like when in dis- when they used to have dissolves and they would do the magic marker across the screen. Yep. You know, instead of having a dissolve, like it had that kind of stuff on it. Oh wow! Because that that's a soundtrack for a movie, um, and Repo Man Two has a soundtrack that even if you do, if you play all those songs in order without watching the movie, it the songs tell a story of traveling through time and here's the 50s and then things are getting crazy then the piano part of Layla which is that world is ending and now it's just the insane cocaine 80s of jump into the fire and monkey man and everything's going wrong like the 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 soundtrack itself is as good as the movie well listen people listening to the the pod if you don't love movies like these two idiots (laughs) talking in this podcast yeah. Don't get into show business. This is oh. why we get we suffer the slings and arrows, and we've done just fine. I'm not saying we didn't, but yeah. this is why we do it because we love it so much. We love, we love, and, and also it, we earn the right to talk crap about bad movies because we love the good ones so much. Yes, and also when and, he, and you and again you know this, you watch a bad movie and you're like, I can tell where this 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 was about to go right, but they made this wrong decision and this and this and this, and that's why it went wrong. Like. You know how movies, we know how movies can go wrong. And you can start off with like, oh, we've got this good, and then it just goes the wrong. It happens all the time, and it kills you when you see what could have been a great movie, and it doesn't work. Well, um, someday this podcast is going to end. God help me, I love it so. Yeah. Um, thanks, brother. This was so fun. This was great. So good talking to you, man. Thank you. Well, if you've learned nothing else, listening to this, you've learned that a factory is not a good place to go and have spaghetti. And I'm so happy that I found somebody that shares my hatred of factories to eat in. Factories keep the world going. Anyway, I don't know. I love having Patton on the show. He was awesome. You're awesome. I see the light is flashing on the answering machine here in the studio that is the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally and our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe, 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. My name's Wes. I'm from Hamilton, New Jersey, and I'm 23. I'm a young actor, and I just got enough hours for my SAG card, saving up money for that, and also saving up money to go out to L.A., early next year 
Um, I was just uh, curious if you have any tips for, you know, I know you say a lot of stuff on the podcast for young actors and everything like that, but, uh, you know, I, I love doing this and going out to L.A. I just wanted to see if you have any uh, any tips or anything, uh, any guidance you could help me with. Uh, I love you, love love the podcast, love your movies, your shows, everything. Um, thank you for what you do, man. I really appreciate your work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, wow, man. Hey, listen, first of all, congratulations on joining the Screen Actors Guild. Welcome. Um, it's, it's, it's an honor to be in, in such a great union with such great esteemed company. And, and, uh, the fact that you've accomplished that is, is no small feat. And you know what people will tell you the odds, but you know what I say to that? Why not me? Why not you? Somebody's got to do it. So I always remember that. And, you know, for, for me is, is, you're making the right thing. Is like if you want to play in the Super Bowl, you have to go to the stadium. That's number one. You already figured that out. You got to come to L.A. You got to come to New York. You just have to. Good on you for that. And then look, man, when 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 you get out here, it's it's you just say yes to everything, and you never know where it's going to lead. You truly never. I mean, I, I got cast opposite Maggie Smith uh, in a national theater production of Suddenly Last Summer, based on the guy, the director seeing me in Wayne's World. So, I mean, honestly, you just don't know. And all experience is good experience. And um, read, read a ton. Life experience is better than acting experience. And, um, you know, I, I think that training is great and acting teachers are great and can, can be great, but there are some bad ones. And, and a bad acting teacher can really screw you beyond all measure. So just be careful about that. Because, you know, as an actor... All you got to do is listen, be honest, don't act. <laughs> uh, good luck to you. I hope I see you on a set one day. Uh, don't forget to download the whole season. We've got really great folks coming up. Um, so get ready, and I will see you next week on Literally. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn, and music is by Devin Tory Bryant. Make sure to leave us a rating and review, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.